0: Welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. Man, sometimes you just get lost into a moment. And I was reminded that the reason why we lift our hands for some of you that may not know, you can go ahead and grab a seat, is a universal sign of surrender. And sometimes we just need to surrender some stuff. Sometimes we need to let go of the things that we're holding so hard to and say, God, I want you to be in this moment. So we're believing God for big things here this morning. I would love it if you would pray with me. God, I thank you so much. I thank you that you are here and that you are with us, that you are working and you are moving. God, that your plan and perfect purpose for our lives are beyond anything we could imagine. So, Lord, in this place today, we pray that you would reveal yourself. God, I pray that you would help me to get out of the way in Holy Spirit, whatever you want to speak, whatever you want to free people from, whatever chains you want to be broken, God, that in this place it can be possible, but only through you. So, God, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Woof! What a good time. Man, I'm TJ, if you're a guest with us today. And as Melissa said, we're lead pastors here at Soul Revival Church. And if if you're a guest, we also want you to know, like, here at Soul Revival Church, you don't have to believe to belong. God calls us all and he meets us exactly where we're at. So all are welcome no matter what. Uh, We also love to take a moment to say what's up to some people. I know it's a little different. You can't shake hands, you can't high-five quite the way that we would like to, but you can go ahead and look at some people, maybe give them an air high-five, say what's up. If you're joining us online, thanks for being with us. Shout it out in the chat section. Say what's up to some people. Um, We'd love for an opportunity to connect with you there as well. But uh, this morning, we're excited to be jumping into a brand new series And it is entitled, History in the Making. History in the Making. You see, God has a story. God has a story for each and every one of us individually, but his story is the greatest story ever told. And I think about movies that I watch. I love watching movies. Like for me as a kid, when I was broken and scared and never felt like I quite fit in in the world, I would watch movies to escape. I don't know if anyone else has ever been there, but the best movies are the ones that are based on a true story, right? Like oh man, this is based on a true story. This actually happened. Now the facts of it we may never truly know. You don't know how accurate it is to this story. But as I relate that to the story of Jesus, I get excited because in the Bible we get the greatest story ever told and this is, this is non-fiction. This is the real deal. This is the true word of God who wants to lead and guide us in any way within our lives to help us. And the Bible can be intimidating, I know it, but it doesn't have to be. It's a love story about a God that so desperately loved you that he created this world to spend life with you. But there was a divide that took place between God and Adam and Eve, and it was because of a decision they made, not what he wanted to have happen. But because of that separation, we were separated from God. And the Bible is his story of coming back after us, that redemption that comes through Jesus. The fact that he died for our sins, because there's nothing we can do to get right with God. That's something we've got to get out of our minds, because we think to ourselves, you know what, I can't even go to church. I can't show up in a church. I might start on fire. Well, I'm glad we're at the branch and not in a church building. But that's not it at all. Like, there is nothing no one can do to earn the love of God. It can't, it can't be done. What had to be done is he sent his son Jesus to die for us. That he would stand in the gap. He would stand in our place. That he lived life perfectly and then died for us so that we could see what it looks like but also have a direct relationship with him. And as we talk about his story, history in the making, his story, even in culture, he split time in two. No one can debate that. You want to know when A.D. started? It's, well, Jesus was two because people weren't, you know, chronicalizing. What, you help me out? All right. They didn't know what the time was exactly, but it started and was pivotal around Jesus and his life. And we want to study his ministry as we lead up to Easter because he modeled what it looked like to listen to the Father in heaven and to respond and to be guided by the Holy Spirit and to live out of life that was perfect. And we're going to be in Matthew 3. I'll give you a moment to get there. Matthew 3. And we'll be starting in verse 16, just to kick some things off. And I'm going to give you a backstory as you're getting there. See, Jesus was born, we celebrated on Christmas. You have one time in in the New Testament where you hear about him as a kid and he, you know, abandoned his parents and hung out in the temple and they were freaking out, they couldn't find him. But that's all you hear about Jesus until he's about 30 years old. 30 years and then he just pops back up on the scene. And there's a man named John the Baptist, which is actually his cousin. That's who we learn about in all the Christmas stories. And he's baptizing people. And Jesus goes to him and says, baptize me. And they get in this little argument. He's like, no, you're the son of God. I can already see it. I can hear the glory of God. There's no way that that I can baptize you. You should be baptizing me. And he said, no, it must be done this way. And that's what we're gonna pick up in verse 16. After Jesus was baptized, it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What an incredible moment where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all there. And people are witnessing it and encountering it. And the Father in heaven is saying, this is the identity of Jesus. He is who I am well pleased with. Before he ever did a miracle, before he ever did anything in his ministry, it was said, I am well pleased. And some of you need to know that today. When you acknowledge the Father, when you acknowledge that relationship with God, he looks at you and says, I am well pleased. Because there is nothing you can do to earn it. I am well pleased. And what would you imagine happened next, right? Jesus was identified, and he's about to just go out and start performing miracles. That would be awesome if that's how it went, but that's not how life typically goes. Next verse, you have to uh, switch over to Matthew 4. And it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. God just called him out and said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And what happens next? He gets led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he was led by the Holy Spirit, not by the enemy. If you're taking notes, the title of this message is The War in the Wilderness. The War in the Wilderness. Because as Jesus was taken out to be tempted, and the Holy Spirit led him there, the enemy is going to have a battle with him. And I like, I like to read it in Luke as well, Luke 4. So there's synoptic gospels. It's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The three of them share a lot of the different stories. So when you're reading the Bible, it's cool to jump between them because you can uncover some different things. So in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. See, but he was full of the Spirit. So he might have been led by the spirit, but it was the spirit residing within him. When we accept Jesus as our savior, we have the Holy Spirit that resides within us who will lead and guide us some some places sometimes. So sometimes we look around, we're like, man, Jesus, I just accepted you. I had a pivotal moment with you. Why am I in the wilderness? Why am I feeling alone? Why do I feel like I'm abandoned? Why am I headed into the wilderness and feeling isolated? Anybody ever been there? Jesus He modeled it for us. In the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Anybody else? Would you be hungry after 40 days of not eating? I'm hungry. I'm hangry after one day of not eating, you know? You forget breakfast, and by lunchtime, you're like, come on, give me some food! 40 days. But what Luke reveals to us is he's being tempted the entire time all 40 days the only the only person that knows what happened in this moment was Jesus so what's being shared is Jesus letting his disciples know this is what happened in the wilderness this is important for you to share so 40 days that's a long time to be battling the enemy to be in the wilderness and feeling alone and feeling like you've been abandoned but I don't think Jesus felt that for a minute and we're gonna, we'll be back in Matthew, in Matthew 4, 2, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. But this is when the enemy attacks. We feel vulnerable. You ever try to cut some things out of your life? It might not even just be food. Like, man, I'm just really trying to kick the habit of drinking alcohol, because it just pulls me back in all the time, or drugs that have just got a, a hold on you, or maybe it's even gossip. Like, I'm just not gonna gossip. Like help me cut some things out of my life. And the moment you try to cut some things out of your life, it might even be that bad relationship that you knew you weren't supposed to be in anymore. And you're cutting things out of your life, but as soon as you try to cut it out, you feel like you're in a wilderness and that you're under attack. And the reason why the title of this message is The War in the Wilderness is because sometimes I think that we take the enemy's attacks for granted. We don't look at them for what they actually are because it says he was tempted in the wilderness. Like, oh yeah, I'm tempted. Oh, I'm tempted to do something. And we're very lackadaisical about it. That was good, right? (laughs) And we think, oh, it's no big deal. I can get through this. It's not going to be that difficult or that challenging. But we need to look at it for what it is. It's an attack because the way the enemy attacks is through temptation. The The enemy will attack you through temptation. So we need to look at it for what it is and say, this is a war that I'm fighting right now but I don't have to do it on my own just like Jesus he's full of the spirit and he's in the wilderness and he comes under attack and here's the first temptation that the enemy throws at him the tempter came to him and said if you are the son of god he knows he's the son of god but he's just like hey if if that's what you say you are like if you're that cool do this if you are the son of god tell these stones to become bread and this is known as the lust of the flesh Like, all those things we were just talking about, when you're trying to cut some things out of your life. And then immediately, the enemy will try to tempt you with it. Like, oh, every commercial on TV is now Wendy's or McDonald's or every other restaurant you wish you had. You can't even eat in a restaurant, like, and feel comfortable now, but you could drive up and get it. We'll bring it to you. Free delivery. That pizza ad that pops up, you know? Like, how did Facebook know? I did not even say pizza. The ad popped up. Can it read my thoughts? You know what I'm talking about. Maybe it's that pair of shoes. You're like, man, I'm really just trying to stop shopping. Shopaholic life's got me. But man, that's a good deal, right? How do you pass up a good deal? Two for one? I'll just save it for later, you know? Take it out of my mad money. (laughs) But he's saying, look, turn this rock into bread. Because you can do it. Why not? Because the enemy is going to tempt you with these lusts of your flesh, these desires that you have. And the moment you try to cut it out, the moment that you turn to God and you think God, life might just get easier, like some of you are like, man, why are you preaching this today? I had a guest come. Life's not always going to get easier when you step into a relationship with Jesus, but he'll never leave you and he's going to be with you in the middle of it. He's got a plan and a purpose for what you're facing. So right then and there, and Jesus is being told, hey, why don't you turn this rock into some bread? Watch how he responds to him. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, man, he responds with the word of God. He's actually quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. So it makes me wonder, like, he's in the wilderness. What, what has he been praying over? Because you know he's praying. He's talking to the Father. As you read the rest of the New Testament, Jesus is always breaking out to talk to the Father. And in Deuteronomy, that's talking to the Israelites as they were for 40 years in the wilderness. 40 is typically this season of temptation or this season of testing, is what it means within the Bible. So not only is Jesus quoting it back, but it's referencing another time when somebody else was in the wilderness. And he's saying, look, man shall not live on bread alone. See, but we always want to seek that momentary satisfaction. But it's just going to lead to more struggles and more sadness, I promise you. The moment you eat that burger, right afterwards, you're like, oh man, I made it five days. The moment you give into it, it's like this immediate regret. Don't trade your rock for regret, don't do it. Because Jesus is the rock of our salvation. That's who we can trust in. You're like, man, but what do I do if I'm in the middle of a war in the wilderness? Well, your weapon for the war in the wilderness is the word of God. Your weapon for the war in the wilderness is the word of God. The same way Jesus responded. Man, we can't eat on bread alone. And we can't do it. He's not saying you can't eat ever. That's not the point of this. It's saying, look, I'm not going to give in to my fleshly desires right now because I'm following the Holy Spirit. He led me to this wilderness. He's doing something in it, and I'm prepared for battle. I'm armed and dangerous with the word of God. Because if you can just fight through that temporary struggle, the eternal satisfaction that you'll get from it, that victory, we were just singing about victory We have that victory in Christ, and he wants to allow us to have that satisfaction. It might not come immediately, though. And our culture has taught us we want instant gratification for everything. Do what makes you feel good. But ultimately, it can just create more tensions and more divides, and Jesus will say, look, I'm gonna model it for you. He didn't need to go there. He's the son of God. He's perfect and complete. But he said, you know what? I'm gonna live this out. I'm gonna walk it out so that people coming after me can see this is what it looks like. See what you're empowered with. That's why we have to allow the word to be saturated within our hearts and within our minds so that when the enemy attacks you in the wilderness, you have a response for him. If you're not spending time in God's word and you're not asking him what he's speaking to your heart, what are you going to say when that temptation arises? It's easier to give in to it if you're not prepared. You've got to have that weapon ready. But that's not where it stops. And this is a verse that I like to think about, too, when you think of the rock. The rock." It's in Psalms 18:2. It says, "The Lord is my rock, My fortress and my deliverer. my God is my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold." Put that one on your fridge this week. I don't need to live on bread, because I've got the rock of my salvation." I've got Jesus Christ living within me through his Holy Spirit. But then, Matthew 4, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, again, with that arrogance, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. See, this is known as the temptation of the pride of life. See, because the enemy is trying to use God's word against Jesus right now. He's saying, look at the Bible says this, God's word says this, go ahead, jump off from the top of the temple and see if the angels will save you like God said he would. Because we always want to start like trying to test our faith, right? Like, hey God, fill in the blank here, whatever you're facing this week, this day, Like, if you just show up this time, I'll believe. If you show up, if you save my loved one. If you give me this job. And we think like, if, 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 when we're trying to test God, to say, I'll give you my faith if you do something I'm asking you to do. And what's even more crazy is if you actually read the verses that the enemy's trying to quote here, it's in Psalms 91, 9 to 12. And it says, If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. See, but it starts by saying, if the Lord is my refuge. If you say the Lord is my refuge. It's saying I'm putting my hope and my faith in the Lord. And you can take anything in the Bible out of context. It's real easy to kind of suit your purposes and your needs. And the enemy is displaying that right now. And that's why it's important for us to grow in our faith ourselves. Because the more we get to know who Jesus is and we understand what the Bible is truly saying, we'll have a better understanding so that we can't be swayed by anybody that might be trying to lead us astray. Because the enemy is trying to say, hey, do this and test God. And it's saying, well, wait a second. The Lord is my refuge And you make the most high your dwelling. Like if your refuge is in God, you're saying, God, you've got me. I have faith in that. I have trust that you've got me right now. I don't need to try to test you so that I have faith. I have faith. And I trust you. But watch how Jesus responds, which is hilarious, because I'm like, man, Jesus, go ahead. Tell him this is out of context. We did a whole series straight out of context. It was awesome. You're reading it all wrong. And this is a lesson we need to take in as followers of Christ, too. Like, we don't need to always be looking to correct. We just speak truth. And this is how Jesus responds. He says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy 6.16. Again, Deuteronomy. That's, that's, I, I'm just like, Jesus is resonating right now and praying over and spending time with the Father in what he spoke through that Old Testament book and responding to the enemy in that way. And we've got to trust in God and know that we can do the same things. We have to say, you know what? I'm putting my faith in God right now. I'm not going to put him to the test. How are you responding to those temptations? Let's not, let's not tell God, if you show up, then I'll believe. We've got to change our hearts to, I will believe even if you don't show up. Just like Jesus being led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is within him. So we have the power of God residing with inside of us. That's why as we sang champion, and we're going to sing it again today because of how powerful it is, and we need to declare it together again because we get to have that victory in Jesus. Miracles can come out of our mouth, but it's through his power, not ours, and as we trust him, what he wants to do is say, you know what? I can declare his word and his truth. I can trust him no matter what. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to try to test God. I can just trust him. I can trust him. And that's when we ask ourselves, like, are my plans more important or God's plans? And what's even better is when those become the same. When your plans become his plans. And that's a tough place to live in. You might find yourself in wilderness from time to time. But your weapon for the war in the wilderness is the word of God. Your weapon for the war in the wilderness is the word of God. You need to put it in your heart so that you are prepared. The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. And don't get to a place where you're like, man, I just have to memorize all these scriptures. Like, let it sink in. If you don't know what book or what verse it is, like, yes, there's a time that you can grow and start to learn it. But the fact that you know God's word, Jesus didn't re- respond and say, Deuteronomy 6, 8. He just declared the truth. And he declared God's word. So don't allow that to make you feel insecure and inadequate when you're in moments of trouble either. When you're being, te- like, tempted by the enemy. Like, I know this truth. I don't know where in the Bible it is, but I know I read it. This is real. It's in my heart, so I'm declaring it right now. Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. God's got us. And he wants to lead us through these difficult moments, through the wilderness of our life. Because we're going to find ourselves there a lot, especially when you walk in step with God. He said, rejoice in your sufferings. I say again, rejoice. That's what Paul wrote. We're supposed to rejoice in that. It's not that God wants us to have to go through suffering, but we're following Jesus' example. But through that, man, the purpose that you'll have in your life, the joy that you'll feel no matter what circumstances that you're facing, the way he's going to use you to impact the lives of people around you, he wants to use you to change lives. Man, That's why adversity is coming. That's why right now the enemy knew what was about to happen and God's like, all right, I'll lead him into the wilderness. He can be tempted by you because I know his trust is in me and not you. And Jesus is modeling it for us. Third time again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Man. Man. And this is the lust of the eyes. When we're seeking fortune and fame, when we're looking at what the world has to offer and we want to grab on that, like the enemy will tempt us with that. The lust of our eyes to say, go ahead, is this something? Doesn't this shiny object look awesome? And he wants you to value that over your relationship with God. He wants you to go there. And he was tempting Jesus in the same way. Like, hey, I'll give you all of this because he, he did come down and he's, he's like a lion looking to see who he can devour. And he has power in this world, but not in a heavenly kingdom focus. God has the ultimate authority, but because of the brokenness that happened between Adam and Eve and God, it put us in a place where there is a broken world and the enemy is now prowling around. But he is not the ultimate authority. So as Jesus sits there and he's looking at him, guess what? Guess what he does? Guess how he responds? Matthew 4.10, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Deuteronomy 6.13. Away from me, Satan. Do you know you can tell him to get back, to back up, and he must flee in the name of Jesus. He must flee. So whatever you're in the middle of, you can say in the name of Jesus, I say get back. And you can say it with the authority from the spirit that's living inside of you, man, but your weapon for the war in the wilderness is the word of God. He was equipped, He was ready for battle, are you? He's just looking at who He can pluck out, take out of the equation, trying to get us living like some comfy, cozy Christians, hanging out on our couch, not wanting to talk to nobody. But man, I just want to be a part of something that's moving like never before. Soul Revival Church is about seeing dead things come to life and to see God do it and get to be a part of it. And that's the reality we want to live in and say, you know what, perhaps God, we talked about that a few weeks ago, perhaps God, I'm stepping into this boldly to say, I declare in Jesus' name, back up, Satan. Man, but you've got to be equipped and ready for battle because your weapon... For the war in the wilderness is the word of God. Matthew 4.11 says, Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. See, the devil had to flee. But guess what else happened? The enemy was trying to tempt him, saying, Bring, Tell the angels, they'll come save you, won't you test God? But he trusted God. And now when the time came and the enemy was gone, God sent those angels. God's not trying to withhold his favor. He's not trying to withhold his blessing or his love or anything, but there's a time and a purpose for it all. Had Jesus done that in that moment and said, all right, I'm going to test him so that the angels will help me, because again, he was 40 days into a fast. If he had fallen into that temptation, look at the victory he would have missed out on seeing. How many times do we just give in to temptation and we miss out on the victory that God wants us to see through him? miss out on the story that we get to tell because history in the making, he wants you to be a part of his story because he can change people's lives through yours. At what point are we going to say, yes, I want my story to align with his so that we can make an impact and a change in this world? Because God's going to do what he's going to do. But he loves you enough to say, I want you to be a part of it. I want you to encounter and experience it too because I want to use you to change lives. Man. The Holy Spirit might have led him into the wilderness, but he never left him there. He was with him the entire time. The entire time. Matthew 26 41. So, Jesus was just getting ready to go be crucified, and he's talking to his disciples, and he says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. See, we need to watch and pray. Another way to battle temptation. Watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, our flesh is weak. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't. We've got to depend on God to be the one to meet us there, to give us the strength that we need to get through it. See, because I love this. In 2 Corinthians twelve ten. Paul writes, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak then I am strong. A lot of verses this week, and there's a reason for it, right? Because the weapon for the war in the wilderness is the word of God. As we can sit back and say, God, I want this to sink in to my heart so that when I'm faced with temptation, I can respond. I can respond with the weapon that you've given me through the Holy Spirit. I can declare your word because you are with me that you'll never leave me or forsake me. Here's something that's really interesting too. So if you were to, some of you had your Bibles or maybe at the top of the Bible app, when you turn to chapter four of Matthew, it says, the testing in the wilderness, but then the enemy is tempting them. And it happens because in the regular translation, it was hard for them to determine what's the word. Is it tempting or is it testing? Like, which word is it? And I would declare that it's both. Because a weapon that the enemy uses to attack you is temptation. But God will test us in the wilderness. And a test's not a bad thing. We can't look at a test as if it's some bad thing. When you go to school and you're trying to figure out what your aptitude is, you're taking tests because you're applying the things that you've learned. You're growing and getting better. You go to college because you want to pursue... A professional career in something, you're continually being tested so that you can make sure that the content that you're retaining is there. So we shouldn't be offended that God's testing us in the wilderness, because it's not something for him to say, oh, earn my love. You say, no, I'm preparing you for the next battle. You're in this wilderness right now because the next battle might be tougher, but I've got to ensure that I'm preparing you and building you up. So do you have your weapons ready? Do you have the word of God ready? Man, Bible app, free. Bible plans, millions of them. Start a Bible plan. Read a verse today. A It'll tell you, here's the verse of today. Start by reading there. But it's important to put the word of God in your heart because you're going to continue to be tempted. And God say, you know what? I'm testing you, but in a good way because I'm growing you. Because I'm doing something for you right now. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up. I promise you I'm almost closing here. See, because there's countersides to both things. So that first temptation, the temptation of the lust of the flesh, turn the rock into bread, like give in to those needs and those satisfactions. See, but from a godly perspective, what's being tested is the love of God. Because in our hearts, we think that God doesn't, we think that God doesn't love us enough. We think that we don't deserve his love, that we haven't done what's needed to have his love. So we might as well just fill our hearts with the things that are gonna make us feel good Because what does it matter? And you don't believe that God loves you, that he cares for you, that he'll meet you where you're at, but he will. Because it's really easy for us to say, you know what, I just don't think God's going to show up, so I might as well. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. That was that first temptation. That's what's getting flipped on its head right now. Jesus is coming into the wilderness and saying what Adam and Eve did wrong, I'm turning right. Because they gave in to the forbidden fruit. To retain all this knowledge, we're seeking all this knowledge, and God's just saying, you know what, you just need to accept my love. Because when you, when you know that I love you, you know that I've got you. And then, you know, the lust of the world, trying to test God. Well, our test is truly our faith. It's because the definition of faith, this is another Bible verse for you, is that faith, is a confidence in things hoped for and belief in things not seen. So are we willing in the midst of temptation to say, you know what, I don't care because I know God's testing my faith right now and I'm trusting in him. If I'm gonna have belief in things unseen, I can't just continue to hope that I'm gonna get what I see. Because he's saying, I've got something better for you. I've got a kingdom focus for you. I've got something greater for your life than you could imagine. When you say, you know what, enemy, I don't care. You can come for me because I got the word of God in me. I'm ready to go. And that third temptation, the lust of the eyes, it's challenging our hope. It's a test of our hope. At Soul Revival Church, we define hope as a confident expectation of a greater tomorrow based on the character and promises of God. I've got a confident expectation of what God's going to do, so I don't need to cling to what this world's offering. I don't need to think about what car can I have, how big of a house can I own. How can I keep up with the Joneses? None of that matters to me because I know that my hope is found in Jesus and he has got me. That's where my hope is. That's where my hope is. Your weapon for the war in the wilderness is the word of God. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm modeling it for you. And guess what? If you turn your book, your Bible to John, in the beginning was the word The word was with god and the word was god and as you continue down it says and the word became flesh making his dwelling among us see so that weapon that you have that is the word of god that is jesus christ he's been there from the beginning history in the making he was there from when it all started but he became flesh so that he could come and model it out for us. And there's some wilderness that we might be going through, there might be some wars that we are battling, but we have the word of God. That we have the rock of our salvation, we have Jesus Christ to comfort us and to guide us. But we've gotta be willing to have trust in who he is to know that he has got us through it all and say, you know what, God? I want to be tested. I want my love of you to be tested. I want my faith to be tested. I want my hope to be tested because I know that's only going to help me grow it stronger. But help me, God, not to give in to temptation because the enemy's coming after me. But that's okay because his weapon of attack is temptation. But I've got the word of God. I have got Jesus with me, the ultimate victor. He cannot be defeated. And he will not leave you or forsake you no matter what you're going through you can say you know what my god my rock will comfort me he's with you in the middle of it doesn't mean you gotta like the wilderness but when you call it for what it is and say i'm in the middle of a war you can prepare yourself for battle instead of waking up and You know, I like a physical Bible, like the Bible app. If some of you have better restraint than me, you could end up in a million different places. You have a physical Bible, you wake up and grab that and say, I'm opening and starting my day with the word of God. Because I want to seek that out because I want to prepare my heart for the war ahead today. I don't know what that might look like because God has looked at me and said, this is my child who I am well pleased, who I love. Before you've ever done a thing, he's declared his love for you. And he's saying, but will you step in and follow me, even if it leads you to the wilderness? It all starts with our identity as children of God. And some of you in this place today, or maybe online joining us, you've never made that decision to step into a relationship with Jesus. And we want to give everybody that opportunity at any moment, because we know God is moving and he's doing things that we couldn't imagine. So I'm going to ask everyone in this room here, if you could bow your head and close your eyes. You're online, you can go ahead, close your eyes too, bow your head. And um, we we just want to give you an opportunity to respond to what Jesus is doing right now. There's nothing you can do to earn the love of God. We've been talking about that. In order to get right with God, that's what righteousness is, getting right with God. You can only get right with God through him. And that's through believing that Jesus came and he died for my sin, but that he rose again and now he's seated in heaven on the throne. So by raising your hand today, when I get to three, it's just a matter of saying, yes, I believe in who Jesus is and that he died for me. It's saying, yes, I am sorry for the sins of my past, and God, I want to turn to you and give you my life. And one, I promise you will never be the same. Two, he will never leave you or forsake you. He will help you fight every war in the wilderness with his word. And three, if that's you, could you shoot your hand in the air today? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you anyone else. You can go ahead. This is a safe place. Thank you. I'm going to pray with everyone right now that just made that decision, and we can pray in agreement with them. God, we thank you so much. We thank you that you show up and you meet us in our brokenness, that you are the God who breaks chains and that gives power and freedom through your grace. God, we thank you that you died for our sins. We thank you that you rose again, and we thank you for the forgiveness we get for our continued mistakes, our future mistakes, that you are with us, God, that you don't hold them against us, that our sin is as far as the east is from the west, but you have such hope and love for us. God, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.